time to talk training, fitness, and health on the Weight Endurance Podcast. We're not doctors, dietitians, or physiologists. We're professional coaches and your hosts, Cody and Kathy Waite. We've worked with hundreds of endurance athletes over the last 15 years through our training facility, plans, and programs. Within this podcast, we're sharing our own training and racing experiences, along with the knowledge gained from working with our athletes. We'll be shedding light on the training methodologies that we've found to be the most successful in making you a fitter and faster cyclist. Welcome back. I'm Cody. I'm Kathy. We are on to episode 51 of the Weight Endurance Podcast. Uh, Today we want to talk about determining optimal base training loads. That sounds technical. It is a little bit, um, but we're going to try to make it as easily digestible as possible. Okay, that sounds good. But yeah, we've been been away, um, it's been like two weeks or so since we've last put up a podcast because we've been so busy getting our... 2021 programs launched and going. I mean, everything from the We Devo program and our base builder program, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, you you've been super busy on the computer, getting all of our young riders up and running in Training Peaks. Um, we mm-hmm. have 14 young riders on the We Race team this year. It's, uh, a lot of them are returning, but I think we have is it six. five? Five, oh, six new ones. Six new ones okay, yeah. so like just getting to know them as human beings and writers, getting them set up on all the systems has been time consuming but fun. Um, I've really, really enjoyed getting to know them and getting to know um, the people in our baseball program. There are lots of returning people, and we've had two Zoom calls so far, and they've it's been really fun just yeah. to see people's faces. I thought I wouldn't really feel that engaged in the zoom calls, but I've loved it. Like just laughing and chatting and seeing their faces. Yeah. Um, the base yeah, builder program is, is great because it, it, it is hopefully bringing some connection within the participants and us as coaches and, and everyone following the same progression at the same time. Yeah. Um, it's way of. better than I thought it was going to be. And it, it makes me wish that we had convinced a few more of our in-house people to be a part of it. They, they were a little hesitant that there wasn't going to be that connection and I'm loving it so far. Like just seeing their faces and hearing how they're doing. Yeah. I mean, it's a training plan, but next level because we're guiding everyone along and we're following the same exact thing as well. So we're sharing a lot of our like information of, of like what we accomplished or sort of thought of within our training session mm-hmm. that day and we can share it within the various apps and things that we're using to just give little pointers and tips and create that engagement so um yeah it's kind of a fun new thing that we're adding this year yeah so. i'm really excited about the strength program app that we're using it's called train heroic yeah people seem to be loving that yeah I, and that makes me feel really good that they're engaged and interacting with me via the messaging system and commenting on each other's workouts as well it's been it's been great. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great app. And we'll, we're working on some other, like, updated strength training programs that could be done, provided through that app um, for people looking for, like, a cycling-specific strength training program um, that's, like, just the strength portion. Like mm-hmm. They have the bike stuff figured out already on their own, but they want that strength piece. Right. Um, we'll have that available at I don't want to put a dead, yeah, deadline date on it. It takes it, so much longer than you think to program. It is extremely time-consuming to set up, but it's really good once it um, once it's rolling. Yeah, so. it's been really fun. So yay, a huge round of applause for that. 
that part of our base builder program. And yeah. I'm really excited about like my progression so far. I've been consistent um, with my riding and my strength training, and my body feels good. And the weather's been amazing, so I cannot complain. Yeah, we took our end of season break a while ago and eased back in, and now we're two, basically two weeks in to our base training mm-hmm. for the new season, um, and subsequently the base builder program. And yeah, I mean, just it's been good cruising along. I'm I'm really enjoying the aerobic strength intervals. I love those intervals. Yeah, they're they're nice. Those, those are the low cadence ones. Maybe we'll talk about that in an upcoming episode, like the value of that and how to execute that. Well, I, sort of okay, thing, so, so today I went with our buddy Darren over to the Willow Springs Trails, which if anyone lives in the Denver area, you know, they're sort of tucked in near Red Rocks. And we rode it with Christine Zimmerman. And those trails are pretty steep. And um, like, for example, in the first three miles, we'd climb 1,200 feet. So as we're climbing, I thought to myself, this is why we do aerobic strength intervals. So we can come to trails like these. And get up them because it was basically just an aerobic yeah. strength interval for 30 minutes. Yeah, mountain biking has a, a massive aerobic strength, muscle tension yeah. component to it. And the, and the more hills, steeper the hills, obviously the more is there as well. And road biking does as well, but it's very noticeable. It's very noticeable. Bike. Yeah. yeah. So I felt pretty equipped to ride these trails with the years I've done these aerobic strength intervals. So it was cool. Um, I particularly just love these intervals and like look forward to them and don't feel any sort of like nervousness. Do you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. sometimes when you know you have to go out and do a VO2 max interval Mm -hmm. session, you're like, (laughs) oh yeah, you kind of dread the, (laughs) you're a little bit sick to your stomach about it. Yeah. These are fun. I look forward to these. I do too. um, There's yeah, no, they're low intensity in terms of like heart rate and, and even the power is not particularly high, but just that muscular demand of the low cadence but um yeah we we should talk about that in the upcoming yeah they're awesome Uh, i've been a little sore between that and getting back into a little bit more well a little heavier strength lifts with the barbell uh, deadlift that i've been doing so just a little bit sore feeling muscles i haven't felt in a while yeah that's have you what we should be doing in the off season Uh, i have not felt the soreness yet on lifting weights so i'll begin to ramp things up okay. a little bit more. All right. Um, yeah, and then I've just been super busy the last two weeks. Um, like you said, setting up all our new riders uh, for the new season, um, getting a lot of time spent getting their annual training plans set up on Training Peaks, uh, also known as ATPs. Um, and for those of, li- of the listeners not super familiar with the annual training plan feature in Training Peaks, um, it's a super, super useful tool um, that's included in the premium subscription to Training Peak. So if you just have the free basic account, you don't actually have access to the to the annual training plan. But for those that have the premium paid subscription, you do have that. And there's a little button at the top of your page, um, like your dashboard there, and you click on ATP and it takes you to this really nice tool that you can plot out like weekly over the course of your whole entire season or, or year of what your um, training progressions should look like in terms of like the loading of uh, like the progressions of the training loads and you know the the training um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, like the systems you're trying to train. So, you know, right. here's, here's your base training phase. Here's your race prep phase. Because don't you start with putting in like your goal events? 
and then it helps you work backwards. Yeah. So yeah, that's a great question. There's actually an automated feature actually in Training Peaks um, where you can do exactly that. You can set the a- annual training plan up um, either by number like the hours you train like purely volume Mm -hmm. you can set it up off of um, like tss scores and we'll talk a little bit about that in a bit here and you can also set it up based off of your known like peak ctl levels that you want to like peak before a big event and that's a little more advanced feature there but you have those three options to set it up and it kind of walks you through, asks you some questions of like, when is your race? And, you know, what level of athlete are you? What kind of, you know, volume or TSS or CTL are you looking for? Mm-hmm. You know, depending on what option you choose. And it'll have like this automatic thing that will then, yeah, work backwards from your race to sort of use their algorithm or their formula to figure out like, here's a, a potential training program you could follow. Okay, gotcha. But when you're doing it for each of us, you're manually calculate manually segmenting our training blocks. Exactly. Okay. So I click the manual, um, not the automatic, but the manual version. There's like a little radio button you click, and but you do very much the same thing. You plot kind of at, at the very least when you think your A races are going to be, um, <clears throat> and then work backwards from there, knowing you have X number of weeks and you know you want to have you know X number of weeks dedicated to base training, X number of weeks dedicated to your kind of specialized race preparation training and that lets you know kind of when you should start and then what those progressions should look like in in the loading and and whatnot so it's a really useful tool Um, if for nothing else it lays out like this roadmap of you know where you should be kind of where you are now where you're going where you should be within that span of getting from that point a to point b and helps you just sort of keep on track. And then when you go into the weekly level on the calendar on Training Peaks, you can then see if your hours or TSS or CTL, whatever, however you set your um, annual training plan up, is it is what you have in your calendar for that week kind of following what you anticipated for that week in that annual training plan. So um, it allows you to really minutely like adjust how much load you should be doing each week and that's kind of what i wanted to talk about in this podcast because doing that for our 15 14 junior athletes and also you so 15 of you and myself um 16 so 16 yeah (laughs) um and then also some of our custom training plan um people that are getting going and things like that you know i've done yeah probably 20 of these over the last two weeks Mm. and so just as i'm doing them i really enjoy doing these i think they're really fun it's like it's like a puzzle that you put together right 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 right. um because you're looking at the puzzle box you know that's what you want it to look like right and you get to start finding the pieces and putting them together yeah exactly so i really find great pleasure um in doing this but it, as i was doing it i was like coming up with like oh you know this could be good topics to talk about in the podcast so that's what kind of led to this whole concept of you know how do we how does someone take a either create from scratch or take a generic training plan, like let's say one of our stock training plans, um, and sort of customize or optimize that training load for them. Right. And, and and how they do that. And then I want to put a little star on that and just talk specifically about the base building progression because this we're going into an unusual year, a continuation of an unusual year of with COVID and stuff and not knowing 
what next spring and summer is even going to look like, um, you know, in terms of racing. You know, we're all hopeful that races, you know, in a perfect world, we'd be back to normal, right, by March. But who knows? So, you know, it's hard. Normally, if this was an, if COVID didn't exist, right now, this time of year, I would be, you'd be plotting out, you know, whatever your A races, your B races, your C races, because you'd sort of know from previous years of when they are and what they are and what ones you want to do. But, you know, this year we don't know exactly. So rather than guessing in the dark if something's going to go or not go and when that's going to be, I decided uh, with all of our athletes, just like I'm just going to work on their base training progression and have a loose peaking area. So, for example, um, I think I picked for all of our junior athletes being in really good shape by March and sort of coming to some sort of peak roughly around like April, May, because that's historically that's when the UCI junior series events really, there's some that occur in March and then there's bigger ones that occur um, in April and and very early May. So we'll just sort of leave that as like the peaking window, so to speak. And we can dial that in later once we, you know, kind of have a better confirmation of when events will be. So um, because it's just like everything's still sort of up in the air. So focusing more specifically on like a base training progression. Okay. So, and this conversation also started becoming fuller when we were speaking with our base builder group on the Zoom call about yes. how this base builder program that you created, this twenty-four week base builder program, is a you know quote generic program, and that it, it's geared for a large group of people mm-hmm. with various ability levels and fitness backgrounds. Right. And so you wrote it more for low volume, knowing full well that many people who are following, following the plan need to increase the training load. Exactly. That's you a great point. You wanted to help them figure out how to do this. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. That's a great point because you nailed it. Like the this base builder, <laughs> what, we're, what I'm kind of loosely calling the version four of our base builder program, because we've made some adjustments over previous years. Um is very much a low volume. It's it's it is a very much a, a one size fits most training plan um, built around like a low volume um, hourly you know training load um, mm-hmm. per week with the idea that someone who's up for more training load can adjust that. So hopefully by listening to what we say in this podcast and if they ask questions and we can steer them and how to make those adjustments themselves. Yeah. Um, Well, we talk a lot about base training and building a base. mm -hmm. I mean, our program is called base builder, right? We love the word base. So why don't you just spend a few minutes talking about what base training is? Uh, sure. Yeah. I think of base training essentially as a time of the year. Um, it's usually fall, winter, and it's basically the time when it, it, it's often associated with the off season Mm -hmm. and, it's a time when racing is minimized, if not removed completely, and your focus can be on training and improving your fitness. So the term off-season is a little confusing for some people because oftentimes it's thought like it's off-season, so I'm like off my bike or I'm, I'm not training, and that's not the case. If, if you're serious about next year, um, you need to start training now to build that base for, for the following season. So the only time you're really sort of quote off the bike is when we take that season transition, which we podcasted about a few podcasts ago. 
um, taking that end of season break. Then you're into the off season because you're off from racing or at least racing of any important events. Right. You might still do a gravel race or a or some random winter race. race. Yeah. yeah. Fat tire races, but right. But in general, yeah. you're off from racing, so that means you can now train very consistently mm-hmm. and in a very like organized, progressive fashion. Because once you get into the racing season, which for most people, that's like spring and summer, right? It's actually quite difficult to train consistently because if you're racing frequently, um, racing interrupts training, and it's hard to manage that. Um, but the off season and the base training season is where you don't have those interruptions of racing, so you can get really organized and consistent with your training. Um, another thing, too, with base training is it's uh, very general in terms of the fitness focus, meaning it's not event-specific, and it's more or less the same for all types of cyclists, all types of at least endurance cyclists. I guess track cycling might be slightly different. Um, but anyone that's a road rider, road racer, mountain biker, gravel rider, um, if you do short, you know, criterium cyclocross events, or if you do long, you know, 100, 200 mile gravel, fondo, whatever, the training in the base time of the year, base training is very similar. Okay. It's, it's, it's essentially focused on the three basic levels of cycling fitness, which are aerobic endurance, so really burning that fat-burning metabolism, um, gradually increasing training volume and training load, uh, improving one's endurance. It's also focused on the strength aspect, so that's both on and off the bike. Um, off the bike is you know lifting weights and building a stronger chassis of a body that can hold up. <laughs> Awesome! I love that word. over the over the over the season. So making you just a better human, um, yeah, more durable, more durable, more injury resistant. Right, and with effective strength training, that gain in strength can contribute to improved power on the bike as well. And then also on bike stuff to lesser of a degree, but on bike stuff in terms of like the force type of training or the high muscle tension stuff, like we're doing right now, mm-hmm. uh, and that often comes early in the base training, the low cadence stuff. Um, and then the other area is all, is the pedaling skill side of things. So that's mostly referring to, um, cadence training. Um, so like leg speed type of stuff, and then also maintaining improved like chain tension and, and traction, um, around the pedal stroke. Essentially. Yeah. And it was, that was obvious again today when I was on those steep trails because, I did lose chain tension on this one steep thing and it lurched me forward on my bike and I almost fell over. I was yeah. Like, Woo, okay. Pay right. attention, Kathy. Yeah. So a lot of the bigger gear low cadence stuff again, not to keep going back to that, but that does exactly that. It <laughs> yeah, teaches so you fly off your bike. Right. How to maintain chain tension, improving your pedaling skill, you mm-hmm. know, the ability to produce more power throughout more of the pedaling circle in quotes, you know, right. so to speak. Um, and then also the cadence drills, and we've done that over the years quite a bit on the trainer with various you know high cadence things and single leg pedaling and all that kind of stuff. So those are the three elements um, that are like the mo- like the foundation of right. fitness. So um, that is sort of what base training is, and and with this minimized racing, you can really create 
the, the consistency in training, you know, day to day, week to week, um, and really build that fitness from a low level coming off of, you know, your couple of week break that maybe occurs at the end of the season where your fitness really dips down and you quote, get out of shape, um, building from that high level or sorry, that low level of fitness up to a pretty darn high level of fitness, probably not the highest level that usually occurs. In my opinion, that should occur about two, three, maybe four weeks before your a race, the highest level of fitness that you're going to achieve in terms of CTL. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, but at the end of your base training, you should be, I don't know, probably 10 to 20% away from that highest level. So it's taking you from low to quite high level of fitness. Yeah, and ready to jump into maybe some early season racing. Definitely. You won't be at your fastest, but you'll be you'll be in the mix. And you'll be feeling pretty good about what you've achieved so far with your training. Oh, for sure. And, and it's quite common and encouraged by me to do some racing near the end of your base period, base phase of training. So, um, you know, I'm a big fan of the the bigger and longer the base, the better with the time that you have available. And so that kind of bleeds a little bit into the very early portion of, of a racing season, like let's say March here in North America, that's totally fine. And like you said, you'll, you'll be in really good shape towards the end of the base training, um, period. So yeah, I mean, base training is, is super important. Um, the longer the the base dura- duration you have to to build this, the more slow the progress progressions can be. The bigger your base becomes, meaning the higher level of fitness, and then you have this fitness that you can rely on for much, if not most, of the entire rest of the the season. If you have a really big base, then you can do a lot of racing and a lot mm-hmm. of race specific training through most, if not all, of spring and summer, and go with that. Where if you have a short base, you know, squeeze into a short amount of time, you might do well for a while, but then that fitness will erode and you have to redo it midsummer, re- redo that base part. Yeah. And in my, in my opinion, I think one of the greatest benefits for a longer base building period mm-hmm. is that you don't feel rushed to add to your training load too quickly. Yeah. And therefore, um, I'm specifically thinking about your tissue adaptation. Okay. And I've personally had issues, you know, mm-hmm. with my IT band and other connective tissue situations with my body. Sure. And um, just the slower you increase your load, just the more time your tissues have to adapt. It's huge. And my PT and I talk about it all the time. Yeah. Like, you know, because I tend to want to do too much too soon. I'm really like, excited and energetic and let's go do it. Let's play 20 hours of pickleball and then have tendonitis in your elbow. But I need, you know, I need to to take more time to let those tissues adapt between workouts. Right. You know, we had some of these conversations this, uh, this past week with our new riders to the team who are like learning the weight system, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm specifically thinking of a strength workout that I was looking at and I saw, I saw the loads that this rider had put on the barbells and I'm like, Oh my gosh, no, it's way too much. And I sent the too ri- much too soon, too much too yeah. soon. And I sent the rider a message and said, Hey, just checking in. It seemed like you threw a lot of weights for your, on the barbell for your back squats and your deadlift. And, um, she said, yeah, my, my dad just said, let's do more. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I love that she was working out with her dad. That's adorable. 
and so fantastic. But so I had to write her back and say, hey, listen, I know you can lift more weights than you're doing now. I know you can ride faster than we're having you ride right now. Mm -hmm. That's not the point. The point is to be patient with the process and do um, do the work in a progressive way so that your tissues can adapt. Right. And like starting out at a lower level so you have somewhere to go. Right. Like you're, if you start out lifting X amount of weights on the barbell, you have nowhere to go with it. Because Yeah, exactly. Let's, let's build. So anyone listening to like, hey, we know you can lift more than we're prescribing right now. We know you can ride faster and longer and harder and more intensely than we're having you do right now. But there's a reason, there's a purpose and it's progressive and it's all about like easing into it and letting the, your tissues adapt. Yeah, that's a great point for sure. And, you know, I would say that's the underlying principle of base training is mm-hmm. increasing one's training load progressively from something that's very manageable, very low level over, you know, to more and more challenging levels of load and with recovery inserted in there at the right amount of intervals as well, where you can adapt to it, you become fitter. Yeah. So we keep saying training load. So let's, let's dig into some terminology, like the glossary here. So like, what is training load? Okay. That's a great question. So to get somewhat technical here and yeah, a glossary is a good way to do it. So let's just start with, um, the performance management chart maybe. Okay. In, in training peaks. So just to give people some reference points. So in training peaks, again, I believe this is also a premium feature, but you have your performance management chart that will, if you input all the data from your rides, meaning upload your rides from your Wahoo or your Garmin each time, if it's, if, if you're at least collecting heart rate, if not power, um, <clears throat> it will compute TSS scores. Um, TSS is a training stress score and it's taking into account um, your training load. And we'll talk about that in a second. And then per session. And then it'll graphically produce this visual graph of your fitness, which they call CTL, which is chronic training load. And <clears throat> what you're wanting to do is start at a relatively low CTL or fitness level coming off like your time off the bike, your end of season break. And then you're going to gradually build that fitness, that CTL, to progressively higher levels over the course of your training season, the base training season. Um, so, and the performance management management chart tracks the CTL graph, correct? Didn't you post something about that recently? You'd written a blog about it and posted your own graph. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, that was a good one. Yeah. I had this in episode, uh, 48, we did a season review where we talked about that. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me that. So episode 48, we talked about at the end of your season, you know, what's, what are some good things to look at and review and learn that you can apply to your next season? That's right. And we looked at mine too and saw that I had more of like this like flat across and yeah. you, and because I had some problems. And then you had this like lovely increased line and that line was your CTL, your chronic training. Correct. Life. Okay. Yeah. So if this is interesting to you, I would highly recommend going back and listening to episode yeah, that 48. that was a good one. Because this is now a continuation, I guess, of that discussion. Now you've reviewed the data, you've got it maybe in hand, mm-hmm. and now what? Do you, how do you apply it to next season? So that's essentially the, the crux of the show here. So back to your question, what is training load? Training load is the combination of volume, which is in itself a combination of frequency and duration. So frequency is how many 
times per week do you ride your bike? So most people, that's like four to seven. If you're doing two a days, you know, maybe it's more. Um, but four to seven rides a week is pretty, pretty normal. And then the duration is the minutes that you ride your bike, minutes or hours of riding the bike. Those frequency and duration together make volume, okay? Then volume plus intensity, intensity is essentially how hard you're riding your bike, equals training load, okay? That is, in essence, what the training stress score is. Because in the, mm, in the old okay. days, like way back when, when, um, when, like in my 20s, let's say, I would, we would train more or less solely by like volume, by hours. It was hours per week. Like my coach would subscribe, we're going to do this many hours a week. So base training was all about, um, <clears throat> you know, going from lo low to moderate hours per week up to higher hours per week. But just riding by hours doesn't give you the whole picture um, because, it, you know, in let's say two hours of riding a flat, you know, loop on the bike path around Denver has a different load than say two hours of, you know, yeah, climbing lookout mountain, climbing lookout mountain twice or something. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, and subsequently also like it's different than doing two hours on a group ride or two hours right. on a mountain bike yeah, ride, sure. right? A group ride and a mountain bike ride are definitely harder efforts in general, mm -hmm. but a mountain bike ride, is it, or any ride, is it hilly? Is it flat? It, you know, the, all those things affect how hard that ride is intensity wise, right? And how hard you're going. <clears throat> um, so we used to always go by just hours. So it wasn't always the best. Um, but now with heart rate monitors, well, we had heart rate monitors back then, but the ability to have these algorithms and formulas. Yeah, I think that might be the main difference. That's the main difference, yeah. I know your coach, Honey <clears throat> Baker, would track your spreadsheet that you'd fax to him. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I just love that part the most. Yeah. <laughs> you'd fax in this damn spreadsheet. And he would take the time to comb through your data and give you feedback and give you recommendations, et cetera, et cetera. But, I mean, that's not manageable for thousands of people across, you know, the country or hundreds of thousands of people across the world. They need, like, a, a an application that's going to have all these algorithms to help. And it's so cool. Like, yeah. It's so cool to, like... I don't get kind of maybe um, so into the data like you do, but I have grown to appreciate the, um, the way the training piece can help you monitor your your um, progressions, your successes, and, and give you like, you know, warning signs like, whoa, your form's getting to, you're going negative 30 now. You might be on the border of getting hurt. So hold on, hold on. Right. So right. I, I think it's really cool stuff. Yeah, it does a great job of, of, now we have so many tools with power meters and heart rate monitors mm -hmm. to collect the data. It was more difficult to decipher the data back then. Yeah. And now with Training Peaks, and I guess other software out there, but we use Training Peaks that can really organize that data into reasonably easy to understand um, formats that it, it is very, very useful. So training stress score is uh, gives you this score for each ride that you do mm -hmm. and it takes into account how long was that ride and how intense was that ride what was the intensity of that ride it gives you that training load training stress score for that particular ride now we also have training load on a weekly basis as well and so that's how it works to so when i set up a rider's annual training plan i like to use TSS, especially if they're using power meters, which is um, ideal, but you can do it via heart rate as well. 
to get TSS. Um, but setting up, instead of just saying, I want you to ride these many hours, we're going to go 12, 14, 16 hours in this training block. Instead, it's we're going to do um, whatever that might equate to, like 400, 450, and, or 400, 500, 600 TSS or whatever um, that would be for that, that build. And then it can take into account you know, the intensity that's being ridden, um, like this time of year, everything's very low intensity. So the, the actual hours are a little bit more, but later on in the dead of winter, when we're doing more like higher intensity intervals, we might not actually be riding as many hours, but the training load could be as high or higher because the intensity is so much higher. Yeah. This came about in a discussion you and I had the other day because I, oh, it was last Sunday. I thought I needed to ride on Sunday because I hadn't met my hours for the week. Mm-hmm. And then we looked at my my account in Training Peaks and you said, no, actually you've already met your prescribed TSS score for the week. In fact, you went over about 21. So you're, you're done. You're good. You get the day off today. So I went to the farmer's market with the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so that, that was really helpful. Like, so I guess I had, well, knowing me, I'd probably just ridden a little too hard on one of one or more of my rides and accumulated enough TSS that I was done. And right. so just looking at the hours was not the full picture. Right. I didn't need to like meet the exact hours. I needed to look at the big picture, which in this case was the amount of TSS. Right. Because if you do a hillier ride, like I think you did a mountain bike ride with some friends and mm-hmm. it was a little bit more challenging or higher, slightly higher intensity. Yeah, exactly. You just keep up with people sometimes and right. you do more than you meant to. And so hours wise, you were like, quote, behind, but actually when you factor in the intensity, the overall training load or training stress that was applied, it was where it should have been. So it was good that you recognized or we recognized. Yeah, it was good. And for me specifically, I need to just watch that so that I don't do too much too soon because I really want to stay consistent this winter. Yeah. And consistency, we've harped on this before, is so, so critical um, in the training process. And with you specifically, we've recognized some patterns over the last few years (laughs) of you know, you're fully capable of doing a lot of training, but then the effect that has on your body isn't always positive, right? It's, it'll fight you on that. Yeah, my spirit is willing, but my (laughs) body is weak. Right. So we've been able to look back and see, hey, when you get up to like this load of training per week, it's like, there's a high possibility that you're going to injure something or or, get sick or get sick and something's going to happen. So we've been able to identify those levels and we know, Okay, we want to get you to around that level near you know when we're we're building up to that level and then want to follow that level with some recovery and so in order to get to that level we need to start at a much lower level and have mm-hmm. x number of weeks to build up to that challenging level for you. Right. And and plot it out and be strategic about it rather than just kind of like diving in randomly and and pedaling away and 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 finding the limits in a negative fashion of like, oh, I've crossed the line and I'm something's hurt or whatever, right, you know, exactly. injury or whatever. So, and that's a underlying principle of the whole progression, building fitness over a period of time, for sure. So, you know, your goal with training load is to just that begin on the low end, something that's very easy to adapt to. You know, it's like. These first couple, three weeks of base builder programs for everyone should be pretty easy. Um, I know some of the riders on our team already are saying, like, I, I looked ahead and I noticed the week after next, like, like our, our 
our TSS load for the week is like really low. It's like, yeah, it's a recovery week. And they're panicking. Well, they're like, a recovery week? I feel like I haven't even really done anything yet <laughs> to, to earn a recovery yeah, week. They crack like, me up. Yes, but, you know, that's great. Like, we're doing it correctly because this very first, you know, month of training is very manageable. And you're going to, your body is actually being stressed, even though you don't feel like it. And it's an appropriate low level of stress that, yes, you're going to be able to adapt to it so easily. Pardon me. That after that recovery week, you're going to feel amazing and we're going to be able to bump up the loads in the next month of training and kind of continue that pattern over the course of the winter. And I think, you know, for a few of them, at least it sort of started to click of like, yeah. okay, this is gonna be easy to start. And, and they look ahead, like, cause I, I went in and I plotted out a rough idea of like what their training is going to be each month from now, more or less through up to spring. And they first were looking at it and it's like, oh, it's not that much training. Cause they're very eager to do a lot of hard work and it's like okay we'll scroll ahead and tell me what you think when you know in january and they look at that and they're like oh okay that's a lot of training it's like yes let's go easy now so we can do more later and we're going to progressively adapt so that's the whole underlying theme i think the writers and the team though fit into a, a category that maybe the general writer isn't in like, mm-hmm. the the kids are like so eager that's all they, i mean they want to avoid their schoolwork, probably, so they just want to go ride their bike. Right. A lot of them. Um, but some people following the Base Builder program or one of our training plans, this is all new to them. They've never followed a training mm-hmm. plan. So it is it is also good to start conservatively so they feel good about it. Like, I mean, I've been doing this a long time, and I feel, like, super proud of myself. Like, I got a sticker on my, well, that's an excellent on my homework sheet from my teacher. Like, yeah. look at me. I hit my TSS. I saw improvement in my power from last week to this week in my aerobic intervals. I feel good. I completed all my workouts. Didn't I show you my phone app today after mm-hmm. my ride? Look, Cody, I'm green. I'm compliant in my little circle right, in right. Training Peaks. It's like silly, but I guess I like my stickers on the spreadsheet, oh, like yeah. the worksheet. Well, so, it's very motivating. So sure. like, let's let's make this progressive so people, including Kathy, <laughs> feel really good about it. And feel motivated to keep doing it. Right. Honestly, I think that's the biggest thing. Like, we have a long winter coming up. I'm panicking, okay? It's, mm-hmm. I hate winter. You know it. <laughs> so, the, to me, the most amazing thing about having the Space Builder program and structured workouts is there's something to look forward to each day to do mm-hmm. to get me through the long season, the long winter season. Right. So that I come out into this beautiful, glorious spring fit and ready to race. Right. Right, and it starts out very easy, like you said, and so you can like check those boxes mm-hmm. without Get your like, stickers. barely even like putting a large amount of effort into it. But you know, a month or two from now, it is gonna feel like more effort. Mm-hmm. But you're gonna be like ready for it at that point. So that's the whole point of progressiveness and building that consistency, and that's what creates that long-lasting improvement for when spring and summer get here too. So. And another thing too to wrap it all kind of that concept up is you know the the stronger your your base builds up to, the more event specific training you can do later on in the spring. So if you build you know a really solid base, you can handle a lot more whatever it is intensity or mileage or whatever specific to the events that that you're training for. So. Yeah, and I know I'm hoping for that for myself because I really would like I would really like to be able to ride longer rides with you and the team. Right. And so 
And if we Being, keep... Yeah, exactly. Being consistent now, right. hopefully I can. Right. Build you up that way. So... Um, okay. Um, so it is time to do solid amounts of training and I personally am excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and one of the tricky parts or like the wrench in the system is, is that the base season aligns with fall and winter. And so it's like, well, we want to increase our training load and build that fitness, but now we're fighting potentially bad weather at least cold weather mm-hmm. um and also limited daylight hours i almost think that's the worst part is the limited daylight hours for working people it is tricky for sure so when you're you know a professional rider or someone with very limited you know life overhead where you can ride during the day and and pile it on it's not pile on the training load it's not that big of a deal but for a lot of our for most people it's a big yeah deal. for most of our people it's it's quite challenging so you know, one question I get a lot is, is, well, if it's, you know, the weather's great now in the fall. Yeah. Why are you holding me back? Yeah. Why are you holding me back? Bike. I want to pile on the, the riding, um, and build the, the base there. But, you know, it, there's kind of two different riders. Um, there's the fun fitness rider that's just loves riding their bike and wants to be in the best shape they can be at any given time. And for those people, I would say make the most out of, fall and you know ride to your heart's content because you know in the winter things are going to dip and you won't be able to ride as much and um and then you'll come out spring and start ramping it up again but for competitive riders those that have some sort of race or event that they're targeting particularly in the spring um, or very early summer you know you, you have to kind of rein in the load somewhat in the fall and kind of be patient and know that you're going to be ramping that load up in the winter and it will be a bit challenging depending on where you live, but even the daylight hours and, and nice weather in the winter is still challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you just have to have that low to high build. Um, so for those, I'll speak more so to the competitive riders then that um, are kind of training and peaking for an event spring, early summer. You know, in, in the base build, you know, volume does come first um and and this goes back to the whole training load you know volume plus intensity equals load so what we have riders do is build up their volume from a low point to a high point through the fall months because in most places the weather is is still good and daylight's reasonable enough but because it's low intensity, that allows us to add more minutes and hours. So it's like a sliding scale. If intensity's low, we can pump, kind of pump up the volume and gradually build that up each week. So that would be, let's say, October through November. Then when volume becomes limited, so when a rider hits like their peak weekly allowance of volume, so let's say like the most a rider can ride is 12 hours a week. Um, and you hit that limitation, then to keep the load increasing, you have to gradually increase the intensity. Right, right. So our training plans are kind of built around that where the the middle portion of, of our base building programs focuses then on aerobic threshold training. So this is more of like that moderate level of training. And we've podcasted about this before, and I'm sure we will again in the future. But it's that kind of... Um, 80 to 90% of FTP, um, heart rate around 80% of max, you know, that balance point, the aerobic threshold between um, fat and carbohydrate metabolism. 
And, <clears throat> you know, that's a moderate level of intensity. And it, if you do enough of it, it's quite challenging. And it's also fairly conducive to indoor riding too. So for people that get stuck indoors, um, this is definitely more engaging than just kind of pedaling along at zone two um, in that respect. So, so, vol- so low intensity, building the hours and minutes and volume initially. Mm-hmm. Then you have to up the intensity. And then the last portion of our base builder, so this would <clears throat> fall kind of like... Um, kind of the February-ish time, so like dead of winter. It's dark, it's cold. Well, at that point, we're we're trying to ride as much as we can in terms of volume, but we're really starting to kick the intensity up even further. And we're also getting closer to our race season and our event-specific training that's looming. So let's introduce some high-intensity training so we're better prepared for that. And that's kind of how it is all formulated within our, our base builder program, our base builder training plans, all that sort of thing. So, um, you know, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. But we always come back to that burning question is, you know, how does one determine their own personal training load? Cause your training load is very different than my training load and we're following right. the same plan. Yeah. And that's a great question. So, the short answer is review your past data. And that's what we podcasted about in episode 48 um, is figure out what you've accomplished in the past and what you're capable of. And a lot of that's going to be determined, you know, what are you capable of physically? You know, what, what are like, like the training loads, like you just said, that you can handle are different than what I can handle because I have more years and mm-hmm. just a bigger lifetime base of riding Absolutely than you, you do. do. Um, and everyone's different. So if you review that past training data, you can figure out things like what is the average weekly TSS that you achieved or hours if you don't don't have TSS data that you achieved in your last base training progression, you know, maybe last year. What were the average? What was the maximum CTL or fitness level on the chart that you achieved at the end of your base, you know, the last season? Also looking at, you know, um, what were the ramp rates? So a ramp rate is how many CTL points your fitness line is going up over X number of days or weeks. So typically we look at like a weekly ramp rate, um, you know, probably somewhere in the range of like two to six for most people. Um, Once you get above six, it's pretty aggressive depending, you know, some riders can handle that, some can't. And, you know, was that ramp rate that you did last year or the year prior appropriate? Or can you do a little bit more or was it too much, right? Looking at past data. And then also looking at, you know, your recovery week, um, TSS, mm-hmm. um, and seeing how, yeah. how did that work? You know, because I saw in some of our adult athletes from last year reviewing some stuff a few weeks ago, like th- their recovery weeks, like, weren't really, really recovery. recovery weeks. Yeah, they almost were non-existent. So... They like got to a pretty high, you know, moderate level of moderate to high level of fitness, but there was no like dip. Yeah, there was no dip allowing then for a subsequent peak in fitness. So they kind of just like cruised along all summer in this like moderately high fitness, but there was no noticeable like peak performance per se. Mm-hmm. It's like they were like fit all summer. But they left a little on the table in terms of not gaining like a peak performance. But they probably. Th- thought they were doing the better thing by keeping their fitness up and not they didn't want to lose fitness by taking some time off the bike in those recovery weeks. Right. And that's a 
so slippery true. slope and slippery a trap slope. that people fall into. Yeah, a lot of people, type A people like us that track things and are competitive. Yeah. It's hard to see your fitness score going down, even though it should and it's supposed to go down <laughs> at certain points. So then it can go up to a higher level. But it's hard. I yeah. Mean, so it is good to go back and look at it and take an honest evaluation of whether or not you recovered as fully as you you should have and could have. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So there's a lot of data to be found. And then, of course, this last summer, spring and summer, was weird because of COVID. And, you know, maybe there because no one had events really to, quote, yeah. peak for. So maybe that's part of what happened there. Is yeah, their salvation was staying. being outside and being on their bike. Right. And they kept their, salva- their sanity that way. And there's so. plenty of value in that as well. But, you know, if you're looking ahead to next year, review past year's data. And that'll give you a pretty good indication um, of training loads. There's also a chart um, on Training Peaks website in their like help center. If you um, kind of look it up under, it's like CTL scores and weekly TSS like ranges for different um, types of racing, like road racing versus mountain biking versus triathlon and things like that. And then also like ability or category levels of racing. So like here's what a Cat 1, 2 road racer should Mm -hmm. kind of be in this range. And then like a Cat 3 is maybe in this range. And a, you know, Cat 4 and Cat 5 are in this range. And that'll give you some starting points too if you don't have past data to go off of. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes with that. Because I'll even reference that sometimes if I'm working with like a new athlete and they just don't have any data or it's just not good quality data to, to get ideas from then i'll take a peek at that oh right so guidelines yeah you appropriately ramp them to to their fitness yeah because because training peaks has you know thousands and thousands of users and i'm imagining they're getting at least they're they have that big data pool of like here's what people achieve you know here are the normal Mm -hmm. ranges for people so that's cool yeah it's a pretty useful tool as well to determine that training load so um yeah and i mean that's the big thing is like getting it's a little bit tricky i guess long answer short <laughs> of What's how tricky do you do to, that to determine your appropriate yeah yearly training yeah especially yeah. if you don't have past data if you have past data it's actually not too terribly hard to figure out mm-hmm. but if you don't have the past data um if you have incomplete data you know it's a little bit if you've never uploaded the workouts from your garmin into training peaks Right. I'm speaking to a friend out there. <laughs> yeah, you want to always uh, get, get in that habit. Um, if if you do want to, you know, learn and progress um, using the data. So, um, but don't you think there's some like value just in knowing the program you're following? Like, I'll tout our base builder program. You, the coach who has studied these charts, these graphs, you know t- training peaks inside and out and out, and way better than I do. I'm learning from you right now. Like you created a six month training program for people who don't have the time, interest, or ability to do this themselves. Right, and I've taken into account like the different training phases that would be appropriate for base training, and then also a progression, although be it a low volume progression. So it may not be spot on for every individual. Um, it's easily adaptable or expandable to higher levels of volume. So what someone would do would be <clears throat> you go in there and if you have this plan loaded up and you go to your ATP in there, you would see graphically 
as it's written, like what that would look like with your fitness. Now, if, you, if you're coming into it with a pretty high level of fitness, it may actually show a decrease because it's a low volume plan and maybe you need more like a you know, moderate, medium So what volume. does someone do when they open that chart? So then you want to figure out what are the appropriate like TSS scores that you would want to achieve or the training load for each week that you'd want to achieve. And you go down the column of the weeks and you um, put in like the target loading for each week. Okay. And then that would give you an idea of like that then future, um, it, it predicts or yeah, it predicts the future of where your, um, CTL or fitness would be at those levels. If that looks good to you, then you go into your calendar and you would look at the, the workouts, um, each week you'd go day by day and week by week and, it would show you over in the far side, okay, this week you have planned in your ATP to do, say, 500 TSS training load for that week. And the, the plan as written is only 350 TSS because it's a lower volume plan. Then you know, okay, I need to up that by 150 TSS. How do I best go about that? That's somewhat dependent on what your weekly training availability is like, but the you know, most common way to do that is to bump up the endurance rides on the weekends. You know, maybe they're, you know, two hours and 80 TSS and maybe you're fully capable and, and want to do, you know, a three hour ride or a four hour ride on the weekends. Um, and that automatically would bump up your TSS for that ride or and or, you know, maybe the structured I'm thinking of this week, like the structured aerobic strength intervals, you know, they're designed in pretty short sessions, you know, a little over an hour. So they could be done very effectively on a trainer. Well, maybe you still do the same strength intervals, but you want to do them outside. So instead of a 15 minute warm up on the trainer, you're going to ride 45 minutes out to your favorite hill where you're going to do these strength intervals. And then you're going to ride 45 minutes back home. And all of a sudden you've got a, you know, a two-ish hour ride that mm -hmm. gets you more TSS. So you can go through and kind of customize it to your schedule um, and your ability that of the targets you're trying to hit. And it is a little bit time consuming. Um, but that way, then when you go day to day following your plan, you know what you should be sort of target, pardon me, targeting for the, for the day. Does that make sense? Yeah. It sounds like if you open up this chart, it's going to help walk you through the process of um, customizing it for yourself. Yeah. To some degree it, it does do that. Can someone ask you for help, Cody? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, in fact, um, our custom training plans offer or include the annual training plan, you know, customization. So that's where the custom part of the custom training plan comes in is that we, or I go in and we collect some information from the user, from the writer and create a, you know, what that annual training plan progression, training load progression should be and look like. And then I go in and customize each workout individually to around their schedule that they've provided me with um, in terms of like days per week they ride and all that to hit it like perfectly for them. So um, that goes above and beyond like our stock training plan. So our stock right. training plans are stock. I mean, we have low and high volume versions. So mm -hmm. one could decide then which to go with. And then inevitably there's gonna be some adjustments probably needed for people. Um, and then hopefully they can do that themselves, but if they can't or don't want to, or just want to know it's done perfectly or correctly, then, um, that would be the 
reason to go with the custom training plan option where we do that for them. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you did it for me. I don't want to do it for myself. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. No, I, like I said at the very beginning of the show, I love doing this stuff. I love, I'm a planner in general yeah, and are. everything we do in life, but I just love creating training plans and specifically for people. Um, I mean, I'm thinking way back to when I was like just out of high school, you know, attending community college, um, you know, in between classes. And I would, instead of pouring over, you know, biology 101 or whatever it was, I had Joe Friel's training Bible book oh, did you? Yeah, in the library. And, you know, back then we didn't have comp- computer programs to chart all this stuff out. There was literally like pages in the appendix of the book that had like the whole annual training plan concept. In fact, the very one that the training peaks one now today right. pulled from, I mean, it's all around Joe Friel's concepts and I would pour over that. Like I remember with a pencil and an eraser, like figuring out, you know, on this piece of paper, like, you know, what kind of training load I wanted to do. And, and, and then that's where it was like, led me into getting a coach and racing and all that sort of thing. So, hmm. um, it's I like cool. that story. So, yeah. I mean, I, I just love planning. <laughs> I'm a planner. I know you are. I'm a data planner nerd. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I hope this has been fairly in- informative for people, not like overwhelming or anything, but well, I think it can be overwhelming. And like, I just feel comforted knowing that you kind of took care of it in the plan. Um, and I would just encourage people to just not be afraid to try. Like just, I mean, I am not like really good at technical stuff, but like just open up the chart and see if you can start figuring it out. Like and go back and listen to episode 48 and re- if nothing else, review your data. Oh my God, if nothing, nothing else, at least be uploading your data Yeah. Um, and start tracking it because you're doing the work. So like take advantage of this program that will help you interpret the data and like mm-hmm. I, I just think it gives you like, like it gives you the stickers along the way and makes you feel good about what you're doing. Right, right, yeah. And when you get when you upload the data and you get that graphical representation of what you've done, it, it does sort of start coming together. Like mm-hmm. once you see graphically like the rises and the falls of of fitness, and you're like, oh yeah, I remember that period. You know, back in March when. I was sick or I had a, I was on vacation or something and, and I didn't get to ride as much. And you can visually see yeah, like your cool. fitness takes this nosedive. And then you're like, oh, and then I remember in June and training was great. And you see this nice steady ramp. And, you know, I'm a visual person. Um, I think a lot of people are. And, you know, that helps see that. So and then also, lastly, in Training Peaks, they have a really good library of just informative like how to um, videos and articles that they've created um, that also explains a lot of this stuff and and has examples and um, all that sort of stuff in there. So for the person that wants to kind of learn more about how to do this themselves, it's a great um, resource right in their own little help library um, on Training Peaks. That's awesome. Yeah. So I would say um, mostly yeah. covers it. Yeah. The, and the takeaway for me in all of this is that base training takes time and patience absolutely and just first of all i just want to give encouragement like if you are if you're exercising you're you're a winner like you're winning you're you're doing more for your health than most people are you're you're getting vitamin d and sunshine and fresh air and probably some friendship time delaying aging you're delaying aging (laughs) and 
you, you clearly want to like better your health and better your fitness. So kudos to you, like you're, you're winning. Um, and then also just be patient with it. Like you can't conquer a mountain in one day. Like this just takes so much time. It does. And it it's not so even much time. one season. It takes many seasons to truly develop a, a, a base of fitness that mm-hmm. leads to high levels of performance. I mean, we've yeah. talked about it before. It's like you need like 10, 10 years, you know, of solid, consistent training. Yeah. And, and so enjoy it along the way and, and use use a training program to make you feel really good about the work you're putting in. Right, right. It'll keep you a little more engaged. I think it helps improve the, the motivation. Like you said earlier in the podcast where, you know, you looked at what you did this week and, and the little chart was all green, which means oh like you accomplished everything. I loved it. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you, yeah, it's like you checked it off. And I mean, that's very motivating. And, you know, maybe another week down the road, you see some oranges or reds, which mean you like didn't hit all your targets. And then it's, maybe like a little bit of a wake-up call and then the next yeah. week you get yeah, back on Yeah, then maybe track. I should just look at like, hmm, what happened? Was I more stressed out this week? Right. Was I not sleeping well? Like, let's get back to the green circles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So time and patience for sure. I mean, increasing your training loads too quickly, um, you do run the risk of either peaking like too early. So that's why you don't want to be doing like tons and tons of training in October and November. Right. Because what happens is you're going to, quote unquote peak in, you know, New Year's Day on the New Year's Day group ride, you may win the group ride. Oh my God. <laughs> but then when, you know, your first race in April arrives, you know, yeah. you're you're gonna maybe be struggling a little bit. So you run that risk of peaking too early. Um and it can also possibly lead to, you know, increasing loads too quickly might force you to take a break in terms of getting overly fatigued or injured, um, which you've had experience with that, mm-hmm. or illness. Um, I mean, I had that experience last year. I had a really aggressive ramp before a known vacation to Disney World, which we've talked about before. And it was just a little too much and subsequently caught the flu. So, um, you know, it happens to all of us. Even when it's at least thought of well planned out, it's still kind of bit. Well, you are still learning what you need. Yeah. And also it's like we're not robots and we may plug in this perfect numbers-based build, but there's other variables right. in our life too, right? I and mean, we've talked about this before of like stress is stress. And maybe I could have handled the amount of stress I thought from a training load standpoint, but maybe thinking back, life stress was more difficult then or something. And it was enough to push me over the edge yeah, or what, maybe. You know, whatever it is. So, um, so yeah, so you don't want to increase loads too quickly. Um, and a shorter base kind of squeezed into like a short time frame decays more rapidly as well. So always keep that in mind. I mean, that's why we've always encouraged our athletes, let's get started in October. And some people are like, well, you know, shoot it, you know, I'm not ready to start training, but it's like, well, we are training, but our, the training loads are quite low, Right. but we're, that allows us to build up very slowly and steadily. As opposed to waiting to until after the new year, let's say that's a, somewhat of a common thing, and it's like, at, you know, New Year's, January second, I get tons of emails of like, I'm ready to train, <laughs> I need a plan, I got a race in three months, I gained twenty pounds over Christmas. <laughs> yeah, there's that too, but I got a race in three months, and it's like, oh, okay, well, we we're running, we don't have much time to build a base here, and you know, those short, hastily built bases, you know, they decay extremely fast as well, so. Even if you could pull it off and 
get to a reasonably high level of fitness in a few months, it's going to fade away pretty quickly. And by summer, you know, you're going to probably be struggling a little bit. So, so is it too late for people to join our base builder program? No, it's not too late to join the base builder program, nor is it ever too late to consider our stock plans or our custom plans too. So the beauty of the custom plans is we can, the base builder program is a fixed duration thing. We were only a couple weeks in, so people can get on board still. Um, but let's just say like we have a lot of people here in Colorado that like to do a cross season. Well, that's going to go until roughly the, you know, around early December and then you need a little break. And then that's still a, a decent time to start building your base for like an April racing season start. You know, that would be the time to hit us up for like a custom base builder program that we can build that ATP for you, make sure, you know, the loads are appropriate for, for the individual and, and go from there. So, um, so no, it's definitely not too late, but um, I would say start sooner the better. Yeah, absolutely. So you can just build more gently and, um, you know, more of a longer steady progression. So, All um, right, so if people have questions, they can email us. Yes. I, I'd say direct the, the cycling training questions more towards you. So Cody, C-O-D-Y at teamweight.com. And yep. weight is spelled W-A-I-T-E. And then you can send me questions um, about anything. <laughs> Your life. No. <laughs> um, I can never say that word. Specifically, the strength training program. I'd love to, t- to answer questions you have about that or get you going. And that's Kathy with a K. Kathy at teamweight.com. Yeah. And that's a good thing to get going with as well as that. Um, strength training in the gym or at home Mm -hmm. this time of year Um, and especially as we get into like the shorter daylight times you're inside usually strength training so I mean I love the strength training I don't love the shorter daytime yeah that's always a bummer I think standard (laughs) time's like a couple weeks away okay let's not end on that note I'll turn Nick (laughs) all right well thanks for listening Um, hope it was informative and um, don't forget to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Oh, yeah, I have a, a thing about that. Yeah. Someone asked me if we could just explain how they leave a rating and review because they mm. are older and don't, like, always know what to do with stuff. Yeah. And isn't it just that you open the library? Say you're in iTunes, the podcast app in on iTunes. Your on your phone. Mm-hmm. And you click in the library and you click on our show. And yeah. I think you just scroll down. Yeah. And you see where you can just quickly... Give us the There's amount like of stars. There's like five empty stars. Yeah, and we'd love five. Click on the five and it and fills them in. And that's the easiest, quickest way to yep. help us out. Um, and then you can also, it says, leave a, write a review and you can click on that and mm-hmm. it takes a few more seconds to take care of that part of it. Right. And you can write But you, the, the thing is just scrolling down in the library under our Yeah. Show. Yeah. You have to select our show. It'll... Sh- It'll then display, I believe, all our episodes. Or if you're already subscribed, I think it just shows ones you haven't listened to. Yeah. But either way, you scroll down. It feels like you're going to the bottom, which I guess you kind of are. Mm-hmm. And then it, it should be you there. should see those stars. And I think one to... time I couldn't figure it out, and it's because I had to be on my Wi-Fi. I don't know if that makes a difference. Like sometimes you need oh. to be connected to Wi-Fi to see all the functionality that of, could be. of the podcast app. So be connected to Wi-Fi to yeah. get it done. Okay. If in doubt. And I could be wrong. Let me know. Yeah. But hopefully that helps and we'd appreciate ratings and review very much. Yeah, absolutely. And All right. um, I guess that's it for now. All right. Have a great weekend if it's the weekend you're listening. Yeah, thanks for All listening. Right, take care.
Everything we discuss on the Weight Endurance Podcast, we integrate into our annual Base Builder training program and downloadable training plans. Our Base Builder program is an annual online virtual group training program with us as your coaches, allowing you to build your best cycling-based fitness possible to prepare you for your next riding season. We also offer downloadable training plans for base building, cycling-specific strength training, and specialized race preparation for road, gravel, mountain bike racing, and everything in between. Consider our training plan subscription service, where you gain access to all of our training plans for as little as $20 per month. This allows you to easily switch between plans to create your most complete annual training progression. Regardless of the type of cyclist you are, by becoming a part of the weight endurance training community, you're allowing us to help you become a fitter and faster cyclist.